What's up, Hyperfast Nation? Did you know there are nearly 8 million landlords that own nine or less units? Uh, yet there are very few products and services to help them with managing their rentals. Most of the services out there are designed for landlords and portfolio companies that have hundreds or thousands of units. So our next guest became a landlord, was managing a couple of units and realized this problem, created a solution to solve it, and now is helping hundreds of thousands of landlords with their management, tenant acquisition, you know, the whole nine yards. We are excited on this episode of the Hyperfast Wealth Show to have Lawrence Jankelo on. Welcome to the Hyperfast Show, where we believe unlimited growth in business and life is created by surrounding yourself with people who have been where you are going. Learning from others allows you to compress time and grow hyperfast. And now, here are your hosts, Kerry Shaw and Dan Lesniak. Kerry and Dan are real estate developers, best-selling authors, billion-dollar agents, and million-dollar agent makers. And now, get ready to grow hyperfast. All right, welcome to the show, Lawrence. Thank you for being with us today. And we've got a lot of cool stuff to talk about, you know, with your story of starting real estate investing as, as a side hobby and then it developing into your main job and having multiple streams of income from different types of sources. But before we get into all that, why don't, why don't you give folks a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today? Sure. Well, thanks for having me on the show. Super excited to be here. Yeah. And as far as my background, you know, I kind of same path that I think a lot of people take, um, you know, finance major in college, uh, took on a traditional career, went down a consulting path, uh, did that for four years, went uh, specifically into data analytics and um, process improvement. Left there, joined Goldman Sachs, was at Goldman Sachs for just over two years, supporting their hedge funds and alternative investments. Um, and I guess on the fortunate side for both those uh, career paths, um, that allows allowed me to accumulate a little bit of personal wealth, not as much as people would have guessed coming out of Goldman, but uh, enough where I could buy a three-unit apartment building. So that's uh, how I got started in real estate. I actually bought it from a friend who was at Goldman, and he was he was getting married and moving out of state, and. Um, so he was looking to sell it and bought it off market, which I think is probably the best way to get started in real estate if you can. Um, so got that, got lucky, got it probably way under market. And then, you know, as I was trying to be a landlord and manage being a full-time employee somewhere, realized, hey, that this is too hard to do both. I'm not giving the landlording its its full due and I'm not giving Goldman its full due. And um, so started looking for software to help automate some of the landlording I was doing, saw that there wasn't anything affordable for someone with just three units. And so a buddy and I said, hey, there's not something out there. Let's quit our jobs and build software that's meant for do-it-yourself landlords like ourselves. And so that that's the path we went down. We built a, a software called Avail that um, basically helps landlords automate much of the process of being a landlord. What was that, that first deal like? I know you said you got it off market, but did your friend know you were looking for, for deals or did it, did it just come up and you thought about it and, and, and got into it? Like how did, how did that process work? And when, and when yeah. was that by the way? 
Yeah, you know, I don't, um, I think that was got to, got to have been around 2010, 2011. Um, I, I guess I'm probably not that unique in wanting to invest in real estate. I think everybody, especially if you've got a finance major, you grow up thinking, look, passive income is great. You read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and you're like, yeah, this, that's where I want to be. I want to move those quadrants and, and get to, you know, passive income and then maybe business owner. And so that had always been a thing. And I, and I remember sitting in my cubicle at Goldman and uh, turning to the people sitting next to me and talking about it. And um, at that point, it was more just wannabe landlord, you know, and not one or wannabe income investor. Uh, no one wants to be a landlord. I suppose we all want to be an income investor. And, um, you know, he said, hey, look, I've actually got a three unit. I'm looking to sell it off market. Now's your chance to uh, make that dream a reality and you can stop yapping about it and see how, how much it actually sucks. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, that's how that started. Um, went to go visit it. Looked great. A lot of deferred maintenance, but had kind of what you needed and the numbers made sense. So we structured a deal. We used a lawyer to help do everything. And um, I think saved a ton of money not having agents involved. What what were the numbers on that? Like how much how much did you have to put down, and then, and then what kind of cash flow did did you start getting from it? Yeah, certainly, uh, great questions. Um, and a lot of like what you would expect depends on what market you're in, obviously. So here, this was in Chicago, in a probably a I'd consider a premium neighborhood. So cap rate, like you would expect something between six and eight percent, maybe, and that's on a really good side here in Chicago. Um, gross rent multiplier, if that's a term your listeners are familiar with, uh, around 12. So whatever the gross rent is, if you multiply that by 12, um, that's what you would expect to pay for a property. So I think I got it at closer to like a 10 gross rent multiplier, which to me was a really good deal. And, and the reason you can do that is because there's no agents and we're trying to do a quicker close and all those things. Um, gross rent, I think was around 6,200, 6,300 a month. Um, cash and cash that I'm getting on it now is close to 10%. So pretty, pretty good deal for me. Awesome. So you got that, you, and then, and then I guess soon you realize you were potentially being torn between managing that properly and, and your full-time job. Uh, what were some of the challenges that you thought you could eliminate or minimize through software? So I think this is fascinating and, and, and and, and what you did to actually solve it. Yeah, I mean, I remember sitting like, oh God, I, and now having done a startup and we don't even have cubes at our startup. It's all bench seating or, or now we're all working from home because of the pandemic. But it's it just like your shoulder to shoulder bench seating. And I just remember not Goldman, like, I wish I could go back to a cubicle. That's not something people would normally say. <laughs> cubes are nice, your personal space. Uh, but I remember sitting in that cubicle um, I'd be going to Craigslist in the middle of the workday because that 24 hour window when you would repost a listing um, had come up and I'm like, I got I to gotta repost my listing. Otherwise, no one's going to see it um, to fill a vacancy. And every day you'd be trying to go back in the same time, roughly plus five minutes or so to repost a listing. And then you would have to repeat that with a bunch of websites. So I just remember sitting there thinking like, this doesn't feel appropriate to do at work. And why can't a listing on Craigslist just be automatically reposted or uh, whatever it need be. And so um, that was one of the problems I had. I also started thinking about, um, you know, when I was collecting rent and uh, I'm at work and I want to follow up with the tenant and, and send them off an email being like, hey, look, it's the fifth of the month. Where's just checking in. Is everything okay? Haven't received the rent. 
and thinking like, why am I having to do that at work? Uh, why can't just an email just go out being like, hey, I, I know the rent hasn't been received. You know, let me know if you have any problems. And you, you start thinking about all these little things that can be automated so that I'm not having to do it at work. And maybe for some people, even worse, having to do it at home when I should be playing with my kids. So, so at some point, you know, my buddy Ryan and I said, hey, what are all the things you'd want to automate? What would I want to automate? And we came up with a list of things and we said, let's, let's go do this. Um, and that went, ended up being like stuff like listing syndication, you know, you want to take your listing that you create, maybe you want to put it on not just Craigslist, but Zillow and Hotpads, maybe apartments.com. And you don't have to do each of those one at a time. And so we just started accumulating things we'd want to automate and then started building them. So what, what, um, what does the software, you know, do, do now? Like, what does it evolve to who, and who is it really designed for? Is this, is this for more your smaller boutique do-it-yourselfers or larger buildings and, or companies using this? Yeah, I mean, we, we built it for ourselves initially. So, you know, uh, at that time I had three units, now I've got six and Ryan had two single family homes. So we built it for, uh, the, as you call it, the boutique landlord, or we call them the, the small do-it-yourself landlords. So generally someone with nine or fewer units, uh, that could be across two buildings, three buildings, or even nine buildings. Um, most of our customers just have one unit. It's a single family home or a condo. Maybe they lived in it for a while themselves and then um, they were either opportunistic and kept it and made it a rental or they became an accidental landlord for some reason. Um, and then they were looking for a way to automate and just use technology a little bit. So that, that's our core customer. Um, There's 8 million of those kinds of people out in the United States. So that it's still pretty large target audience for us. Um, and no one's nearly got any kind of meaningful market share on, on this. And they get totally ignored and we were being ignored so that that's how we built it. Today, we do everything from listings to tenant screening. Uh, we provide a state and city specific lease agreements. Um, we allow tenants to pay their rent through the portal and submit maintenance tickets. It's kind of the full gambit of what it means to run your landlording business on a day-to-day level. And with, with larger, you know, can, can larger owners, landlords use this like people with, with more than nine units, or is it really just tailored for that, that smaller market? Yeah. I mean, we've got a lot of customers who have 200, 300 units works great for them too. That's not who we designed it for, but like if you design something for someone with one or two units who expects really good UX, really good user experience um, and a really good interface, it just translates well to someone with 200 units. Um, it doesn't work that well for someone who's got 5,000 units. Um, it might be a little laggy and it's not designed in a way where they want to see stuff at a portfolio level or more like reports-based um, as opposed to helping me do my day-to-day. So it's not great for them, uh, but it's really good for nine or fewer. And certainly the landlords who have 200 units who use us now, um, they love it for um, a lot of the same reasons that the single unit landlords love it to automate listings, automate tenant screening, those kinds of things. Gotcha. So uh, in terms of cost, you know, my, my guess is, and I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how much it, it costs, but from the sounds of it and, and from what I know about these larger, uh, you know, software programs out there, um, you know, while some of those, as you mentioned, have, have more reporting and portfolio uh, features, they're usually just, uh, you know, the cost doesn't make sense for someone with, with like nine units or 10 units. Um, so what is, what is the, what is the, the cost structure look like? On, on yeah. The- I mean, we wouldn't have built this if there was something that was affordable out there. When we started in 2012, looking to build this, uh, we actually looked at Yardi. We were like, Hey, can we use Yardi for our 
in my three units. And Yardi's got like a starting price of $5,000, $10,000 a month. That's more than my gross rents. So it just didn't make sense. And so we built it knowing like this has to be affordable for someone who's got just one unit. Um, maybe even in a way where it empowers a do-it-yourself landlord to keep doing it themselves, maybe not have to use a property manager. Because um, we find that a lot of landlords with just one unit, if you have to use a property manager, which is nothing wrong with that, it's a great path, but um, it really makes it hard to be profitable as a landlord uh, if you're doing that. And so we said, hey, how are our tools going to do this? How are they going to help? And therefore, they need to be um, really reasonably priced. We may, maybe went to the extreme on the reasonably priced because we, we went all the way down to $0. So um, it's you can do everything you want on our website uh, for essentially $0 per unit. How does how does that work if it's uh, $0? Are there like add-on features then or other other things? Like how does how does that work from a business standpoint for you? Obviously yeah. you, can't, you can't give everything away for free. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you you, say you have to make money if you're profitable as a business to run. Um, and, you know, we're in the Midwest. So we've always had the mentality of it. It's got to be a real business. It's not some West Coast fantasy. Um, so we do make money. We make money on tenant screening reports. Uh, we charge $55 to an applicant, which um, includes a credit report, criminal nationwide criminal background check, um, eviction check. It includes automated reference checks. So we'll reach out to the landlords on the uh, prior landlords. So that's one revenue stream for us. Um, and I think we, we go above and beyond for that $55. It's really full service in a way. Um, we also charge um, like a $2.50 convenience fee for online pay, payments. So when a tenant is uh, paying their rent, there's a $2.50 fee. Um, and that fee can be waived if a landlord upgrades. So we do provide, provide like a, a premium set of features as well. So, um, more around customization of the product. So if a landlord wants to customize certain lease clauses, customize the rental application, uh, maybe receive rent three business days faster, they can upgrade. That's $5 per month per unit. So still insanely cheap, but there is a path there as well. Hey, hold that thought for a minute. Are you a real estate agent in the DMV area or thinking about becoming a real estate agent in the DMV area? Why not join the highest selling team in the DMV. The Kerry Scholl team is hiring more agents. We have the best training systems, the best culture, and the best environment to get you to the next level, whether that's starting out and getting to six figures or getting from six figures to 250 or to half a million or even beyond. Go to kerryschollcareers.com. Again, that's kerryschollcareers.com. How, uh, how many users have you guys you know, gotten to now? Yeah, we're at 200,000 landlords and just over 400,000 tenants. Wow. So you guys have, uh, you guys, you guys have, you know, grown to a significant amount of, of users and, and market share really. Right. Um, yeah, we've been, uh, well, we've been working hard for, you know, seven, eight years on this. Um, certainly iterated the product multiple times based on seeing how our customers use it, listening to what they want. Uh, it's been a it's been a process, but I think we're we're at a point where it's very good. Um, people, we have a really high NPS score, a satisfaction score, so people love it. Um, I'm very proud of it. I use it myself for my properties, and I I mean, like I'm gonna be biased, but sure, I, I love using it. It's, it's I'm very proud of it. And are are um are are most of the people in that like one to eight units, nine units uh, size? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say 90% of our customers have just one unit. 
Um, and then the remaining 10% are kind of spread out between uh, two and nine units and maybe 1% of our customers have 200 or more units. And what, uh, what kind of support staff and, and, you know, have you guys grown to, to, to support this many people? Yeah, we've got about a 30 person team um, on the support side. We've got six full-time dedicated support agents. I, I think we're the only company out there that offers live phone, uh, live chat, phone support seven days a week. Um, so if, if a landlord needs to reach us or tenant needs to reach us, they can do that almost around the clock. Yeah, I mean, this this is uh, great. I really like how you, you know, to me, this is like the the definition of entrepreneur, you know, like you, you saw a problem that you were facing and, and, you know, realized, hey, there's not a solution out there for this, yet there's 8 million people uh, potentially that would be looking for the solution. And you went out and designed that solution and, and, now 200,000 people are, are using it. How did, how did you, you know, grow? How did you get the word out to these people? Cause I've always said, you know, you can, you can come up with an amazing product or service that solves a real problem, but if no one knows about it, you know, it's not, it's not going to magically get out there. So what, what did you do to, to get in front of all these people? Yeah. And honestly, that's been an insane challenge for us because it's, especially with landlords with one unit, nine units, um, they don't tend to think of themselves as landlords. So we're, we're targeting an audience who may be full-time employed somewhere and they just happen to own a couple rental properties that they rent. And so it never really makes it into their mindset that, hey, I'm a landlord and I need to go get landlord software. They don't think that way. So it's actually really challenging uh, getting to them. The way we, we do it is through education and rich content. And so we publish tons of white papers, tons of guides, materials that help landlords kind of figure things out. So we'll see landlords searching for what do I do if my tenant's rent is late? And we've got a lot of educational content that will answer that question. And then they'll find us through things like that. They may find us for like, how do I get a credit report for a tenant? You know, all these kinds of things that they're searching for and they'll eventually make their way to us. So it's, I mean, are you guys uh, just in terms of, the solutions that that you provide it sounds like everything from marketing, you know the the the, the spaces for rent, screening the tenants. Uh, sounds like you've got automatic emails and kind of CRM stuff built in mm-hmm. if, if the tenants you know are are late or miss a payment. Um, repair request. Is it can can the landlords get their automatic? Uh, can they get financial reporting or monthly P&Ls on there as well? Yeah, great questions. So um, I'll take it kind of quickly from the beginning. So yeah, we, we market the properties. So you'll create a listing with us and then we syndicate that across the web because you know tenants aren't today coming to avail looking for vacancies. It doesn't make sense. Um, but they are going to Zillow, truly a hotpads, apartments.com, um, rent.com, all those places. And so we take our listing and we've got partnerships with all of those places and we just push the listings to them. All of those leads will then flow back, back into the avail system automatically. So you're not having to go create accounts on all those websites and logging in daily or checking your emails daily. Um, it's all in one place in the avail platform where you can go back and forth with any of those leads and then start the tenant screening process with them. Um, and it's a one button click if you're wanting to move forward with one of those applicants. So you just click request application. 
Um, they'll get an email with instructions to fill out their questionnaire, which you know, typically includes rental histories, employment history, income verification. Um, it'll also have them authorize the credit report, criminal background check, and eviction check, and authorize us to go and contact their prior landlords. Once they've done that, uh, normally then you, if, if you found one, a tenant you like or the tenant likes the place, you would try to get into some sort of lease agreement. And uh, what we've tried to do is help you avoid paying fees to a lawyer or at least feeling comfortable and confident that you've got a good lease, maybe hopefully not being sued because your lease is bad. Um, hopefully trying to avoid people buying, going to Staples and buying some generic lease that's going to get them sued. Um, and so we've cultivated leases across all 50 states and most large cities. And based on where your property is located, we're automatically going to pull down that template for you, let you customize it. Um, and then your tenants are going to sign that lease digitally. You'll sign it digitally. And uh, that will automatically set up a payment schedule as well for the tenants. So once your tenants have signed the lease, they can um, stay logged in or log in every month to pay their rent. They can set up auto pay um, if they want. Um, and then whenever the need arises, they can submit a maintenance request. So kind of all of the operational features of being a landlord. And then um, there's a few... Uh, accounting features um, on the back end of that. Not as many as we want, and that's in our roadmap. But yes, there's um, you can get a report of all the rent payments that have been received, all the maintenance tickets that are open, um, those kinds of things, so that if you need to compile those for tax reporting, those are there. Uh, but certainly, that's probably an area we're weaker in, where our roadmap includes a lot more accounting and expense tracking stuff coming up. And on, on the listing syndication, do you you know, it sounds like you automatically plug in a lot of the major platforms. Do they, do the users have to pay for some of those? Cause I, I believe Zillow and a lot of their markets now doesn't let you put it on for free anymore. So how does, mm. how does that, that aspect work? I mean, does it just plug in seamlessly with, with that? Yeah, it's, it's mostly seamless. Like Zillow, it's the changes are new this year where, um, you know, and I think they're still free if you've just got one listing as well and then they and then they try to do something separate there so what happens with zillow and the zillow group properties because they've got a couple properties is you'll create the listing with a bail and we'll push it out to zillow zillow will reach out to you asking to confirm and authorize that this is listings okay they'll have you sign an agreement through docusign um and then um if you have more than one listing they just send you an email with an invoice at the end of the month all right well it seems like you know that like i i I know just from our real estate team that just syndicating things and making sure um, it's daily. It's a daily nightmare. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot. And like, you know, on the Craigslist, like if, if you just post once and in like 36 hours, you're yeah, it's gone. You know, it's gone. There's so many other people posting and there's just, it's unfortunate. There's not a better system there, but it I mean, it's a free tool. It is what it is. And uh, yeah. One of the one of the annoyances with Craigslist too is just you'd post a listing and then you know you'd get for every one tenant who responds you'd get nine or ten you know real estate agents property managers just spammers from other countries like it's just so dilutive on the quality so we we actually stopped posting to Craigslist a few years ago just because of the the quality issues. Gotcha. Uh, what What do you think is uh, you know what are, What are you guys looking at in terms of adding uh, features or or new markets or growth? Like what What do you think is mm-hmm. kind of on the horizon looking out? Yeah, and and that, those are things that are exciting for us. We love talking about that. Uh, one of the things we talked about here was just accounting and expense tracking. We want to go a lot deeper into that. We know a lot of landlords will generally have like a, a dedicated checking account or credit card for all their expenses. 
we'd love for a way to import that, help them get the expense side of their books, um, match those up to the revenue and help them uh, go all the distance to preparing a schedule at the end of the year. Um, that's something that's hugely exciting for us. Uh, we want to do more on the maintenance side. So right now tenants can submit maintenance and we hook into Yelp and we'll suggest contractors, but those contractors don't have a relationship with us or with you. Um, we're looking to do a lot there, whether that's something like what Uber does, where maybe there's a landlord, they got, uh, a tenant requested something and I'm not handy, I can't do it, but maybe there's a landlord who lives down the street who can do that for me. Um, and so can, can that ticket go to like a landlord marketplace where the, the landlord could say, yep, I'll come by and do that for you for a hundred bucks or whatever it is. Um, so we're, we're looking at options there on the, on the maintenance side. I think there's some really good things, you know, down the road, we'd love to help landlords, you know, uh, either a lot of landlords who get into the business accidentally, um, they're looking to get out and we'd like to help them with that. There's other landlords who are looking to get more and can you match those two together and say, Hey, look, here's properties that are for sale. Can you do 1031 exchanges? Um, there's a lot that we, we get excited about, um, down the road. Awesome. Well, it's, it's exciting, uh, you know, to, to hear about what you've done in, in just a few short years and the impact you're making and, and what is coming up. Uh, what about your own, you know, personal rental portfolio? I think you, you started off with the three units now. I think, did you say you had six earlier? Yeah, I've got two three-unit buildings now. Um, so, like, that's uh, – I love those. I mean, Chicago is kind of just predisposed to three-unit buildings in a way. So, like, they're, they're charming uh, brownstones or graystones here in Chicago. They're all really old, uh, like 100-plus years old. So, um, typically, if you're buying in Chicago, you have to kind of know that there's going to be some deferred maintenance and – uh, maybe behind the walls don't look so pretty. So you could factor those in. And those are the case with both um, of the buildings I have. I've, we've had to kind of do some major innovations on them, um, get them nicer. Um, the, w- the way we look at it, though, is like our tenants are our customers. So we try to do things for them that make the place nicer, better quality of life. Uh, we replace windows almost immediately because we, we find that the better the air quality in there, the better their health. The better they feel naturally, the more the longer they're gonna stay, the less turnover we have. So we we do weird things like that just to I don't know if it's weird, but um we, we manage it as if they are customers and we're trying to satisfy them in a way. So that makes us probably a little slower on buying new buildings. Um, but the ones we have then in the long run um require less work um and less time as we go on. Gotcha. Well, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and I, I love the perspective of making that short-term sacrifice, like investing in those windows, because you know, in the long run, even though maybe you can't quantify it, but maybe you can, but you know, you, you know, in the long run, it's, it's going to make the building better, make the quality of life better and long-term probably more profitable than, you know, letting it, yeah, and real estate ends up being a long-term game anyway, so it fits into that. And Great. Well, before we wrap up, I, I always do a hyper-fast round with my guest. So if you are uh, ready for some hyper-fast questions and answers, uh, sure. we'll get started. All right. What is your biggest piece of advice to a new real estate investor? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I could probably rattle off 10 things. Um, 
probably the first one is, is treating it as a business. So uh, I'll stick to just the one. Uh, treating it as a business, I think so many things come out of that. Um, when you're even just, if you haven't even bought the place yet, um, think about how you buy and sell homes or in investments are so different than if you're going to be living in it, than if you're going to be renting it out. And people who buy to live in it are very emotional investors and um, business people should try to remove that emotion out of it. And you, you want to buy something where the numbers are going to work, but you only think that way if you think about it as a business and you think about the revenue and expenses and what that net operating income is going to be. Um, you just the whole mindset changes if you treat it as a business. What was the biggest challenge you faced as an investor and what did, what did you do to overcome it? Sure. Um, well, I'll start with like a small piece, which was just getting started. Like the biggest challenge is just getting started because I think there's a lot of unknowns and you get scared and um, there's always that fear of uncertainty. Like this, if, when I buy this property, um, is something bad going to happen? Am I going to lose all my money? Am I going to lose all that down payment? And you just, you kind of get frozen in fear. And so could have probably bought a place five, six, seven years earlier. And then the only reason I got the one I got is because an opportunity came around where someone's like, yeah, why don't you finally do it? And I did. And then you realize, Hey, this was a lot, not as scary once you've done it. Um, and so I think the biggest hurdle for any investor is just getting started. Um, and then of course, on the flip side of that, the, the building I did buy had a ton of deferred maintenance, which was a huge challenge because all of a sudden you realize that there's a lot more cash that has to go into this than you planned. Um, and then the only way around that is to start, start in Excel and write down, Hey, here's everything that's broken. Here's everything that's going to be broken over this time period. And maybe try, or at least what I did was try to map out like a remaining useful life for some of the things. So I could prioritize what needed to be changed first, um, and break it into small components. Otherwise it gets too hairy and too overwhelming. Are, are you, at, are you, um, just one follow up to that. Are you trying to escrow or reserve, you know, based on that schedule, like if you know the roof's going to be needing to be replaced in 10 years, are you, are you putting away 10% every year towards the roof in like a, a reserve account or how does that work for you? Yeah. I, I mean, I personally do that. Yes. Um, and I'm a, I was a finance major, so I tend to think in terms of accrual accounts. And um, so, you know, I have, we keep an operating checking account where the, you know, all the rent comes in and then I'll transfer out of that checking account into a savings account, which acts as our accrual account for um, all of those expected expenses. Um, and then I keep like an Excel thing of what those are over time and um, what I need to contribute each month to be ready for those things. So I do that. Some other investors may not be as financially savvy to be able to calculate those things. So um, an alternative, simpler way you can think about it is just try to accrue 1% of the value of the property each year, uh, each month. Uh, 1%, 1% a year of the purchase price. Um, and you break that down into monthly and that's probably going to be good enough, um, depending on the state. If it's really old, you might want to do 2% of the purchase price and you save that each year for maintenance. But, um, if it's newer, 1% it's fine. Gotcha. If for the person who's thinking about starting in investing, but hasn't made the jump yet, uh, where do you think they should go for education or, or you know, learning about how to do it? Yeah. Um, 
yeah, you know, there's, there's not a lot of things that will teach you how to be a landlord, to be honest. Um, so if it's like, hey, what does the day-to-day look like of a landlord? We provide a lot of educational content on that, but it's kind of like parenting. Um, when, you know, you don't really learn it till you become the parents and you have kids and you start showing, doing things. Um, but if you're looking to buy a building and you're not sure, hey, how do I buy one? What should I think about? What should I do? Um, I think there are two good resources. Um, for getting your first property. First one is Bigger Pockets, which is a, a forum for landlords to talk about it. Um, Bigger Pockets is very heavy into talking about your first property or how do you finance it and those kinds of things and how do you get the money for it. Um, and then the second resource I'd recommend is an agent. If you're wanting to take it seriously, um, find yourself a real estate agent who maybe specializes in investment properties. On the surface of it, the agent's free. Obviously, there's baked in costs there, but um, it's not going to cost you anything to to talk to them, maybe have them show you some properties that if you start looking at properties, you'll see that your fear kind of subsides a little bit and you'll learn some things. And hopefully an agent can start talking to you about the area, the rents that you can expect and those things. So I'd say those are two good resources to look into if it's your first time. All right. And for the for the person out there who has gotten started, uh, what's the decision making process for like how you know you're ready to to switch from side hustle to full time yeah tough tough question uh i i guess you have to look at um what kind of lifestyle you're wanting to live and um i mean there's going to be some impossibilities right if you've got uh, only a handful of units and you're thinking that that's gonna support your lifestyle, you have to look, is there enough cash flow there for you to do that? Um, and if not, um, how do you have a path to get that cash flow up quickly to support your lifestyle? Um, and if you don't have the path or you don't have the cash flow, then it's probably not time yet. Now, of course, if you don't go full time on it, it's, it's gonna delay that path. So um, that's a really tough thing that I think each individual has to start thinking about, just um, what can they afford because it's tough. Some things you can do to maybe speed that up is partner with people. So um, if you've got um, a bunch of friends and family, maybe who want some passive income, but maybe they don't want to put in a lot of the effort, then you could potentially partner with them, have them come in as investors. And you could be kind of now acting as a property manager and owner on those things. And that could speed it up too. But, um, you know, make sure that you don't put yourself in a position where you can't feed yourself anymore, obviously. All right. Um, what what would we find you doing when you're not working on a, a veil or managing your rentals? Uh, where where would you be? What would you be doing? Uh, uh, in reality, if you see me not on one of those two things, then you'd see me stressing out, thinking I should get back <laughs> to those two things. Um, but I've got two sweet little girls. I've got a six-year-old and a four-year-old. So um, I spend a lot of time with them, taking them to the park and doing things with them. So you'd probably find me uh, playing games with them, uh, riding bikes, those kinds of things, teaching them about awesome. real estate. Uh, where, where do you see yourself in the next five to 10 years? Yeah, um, well, for now it's hard to separate myself from Avail, um, for better or worse, I, we're one and the same. So. Um, I tend to look at where's Avail going to be in five years. And um, one of the things that we set out to change was just how landlords and tenants interact with each other. Um, 
I think there's room to make it a better, more cohesive community. And it's not today. You know, I go to Google um, and you, you do like, you start searching for landlords are, and you look at what autocomplete suggests and Google autocomplete will be like, landlords are scum, landlords are greedy. And you, you'd see the same thing for tenants, like tenants are, and you'd see like tenants are lazy, tenants are poor tenants. And there's, there's such a, uh, uh, them versus us situation happening there. So I'd love for in five years to do that Google search and see those autocompletes have changed and made it into more of a, we're all in this together um, situation. And we really try to push that with the veil. We try to be super transparent. Um, we try to let tenants have a lot more voice, have a lot more rights. Um, we try to help landlords de-risk. Um, and if we do our jobs over the next five years, we'll see that the, the community has spread and it's just a lot more friendly of an environment. Awesome. Well, that's exciting. It's it's exciting to uh, see what you've done in such a short amount of time for so many, you know, hundreds of thousands of landlords out there, and 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 um, you know, con- con- continuing to to build and and, and serve and, and help people. So thank you for being on the show today. Before we sign off. Uh, if people out there listening, watching, want to connect with you uh, or, or have more questions or want to learn more about what you're doing, what are where should they go or, or how should they connect with you? Sure. Tons of ways. So first and easiest, just come straight to the website, avail.co, A-V-A-I-L, A-V-A-I-L.co. Um, it's free. So create an account, look around. We hope you like it. And then also, I love connecting with people directly. So happy to have anyone email me at my personal email address, which is lawrence at avail.co. So L-A-U-R-E-N-C-E at A-V-A-I-L.co. I'm happy to engage in conversation, talk about your needs um, as well. Awesome. Well, thank you for being on the show, Lawrence. And for everyone out there watching and listening, thank you for tuning in. And we'll see you next time. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Hyper Fat Show. Subscribe to us if you want to make sure you get the latest and greatest Hyper Fat Shows. And remember, we love reviews. Reviews help us bring better and better guests, improve our shows, and give us the good, the bad, and the ugly. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we will see you next time.